You're listening to Haggai, a sermon series about obedience. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. some great messages about obedience in this short little book. And uh, so if you remember, we started out this entire series by talking about King Solomon, how during the fourth year of his reign, King Solomon, what he did was he began constructing uh, the Lord's temple. And this temple was amazing. This temple was beautiful. And really, people from all over the world came to check out this temple. Uh, But after King Solomon died, the people got distracted, and they, they actually turned from following God, and they began to, to worship idols. And so uh, at about 587 B.C., God allowed the Babylonians to come in, and the Babylonians destroyed uh, the city of Judah. Not only did they destroy the city, uh, but they really destroyed this temple, this magnificent temple that was built to honor God. And they're really doing this to insult the people. reason why they did it is they wanted to say, hey, look, your God has abandoned you. Your God no longer dwells with you guys. He, he's not for you. And then the Babylonians, what they did was they carried the people off into captivity, and that's where the people stayed for 50 years. Well, after 50 years, the people were allowed to go back home, and their first priority was to rebuild the temple. That was the first thing they were going to do. They were going to begin to put God first. They were going to be about his business. So that's what they start doing is rebuilding the temple and they rebuild the foundation. Then they rebuild the altar. But after they do that, the Samaritans come in and the Samaritans oppose them. And so uh, they, they quit again. They quit again. And so instead of building God's house, they begin to build their own houses. Instead of putting God first, they're putting themselves first. Instead of being about God's business, they're about their own business. So God raises up the prophet Haggai uh, to really call the people back to him, not just to put, not, you know, to really don't just think about themselves, but to be about, be about God's we start today, I want to ask a question. How many of you have ever had a thought like this in your life? Uh, is it worth it? You ever thought that? Is it worth it? It could be about anything, maybe just anything that you give your energy to, your attention to, your money to, but you, you know, after a little while, you begin to wonder, is it really worth it? See, I got three, I got three kids, and uh, kids are expensive. How many of y'all know that? They're expensive. So, uh, you know, I, I really just got the first two paid off, and now I got another one uh, that I got to pay off at the hospital. And so we're getting all these bills that are coming in, all these new bills. We had to we had to pay all this money really before we could take him home with us, I guess. Uh, but then uh, we got new bills rolling in, and so he's only three weeks old. He's actually here at church somewhere today. I don't know where. Oh, there he is over there. I can't see. Uh, anyway, so uh, he's here first day at church. I'm excited. He's going to hear me preach. Uh, but anyway, he, maybe he's going to get saved. I don't know. Uh, so uh, so uh, but. Uh, uh, but anyway, so we're getting all these bills in. And so he's three weeks old this past week. I, I picked him up and I was looking at him after we were looking at all these bills. And I said, look, buddy, uh, you know, you're going to have to start pulling your own weight around the house here. You know what I mean? You're going to have to you're going to have to start helping with these expenses. And then he just looked at me and he went, bloop, bloop. You know, he blinked his eyes, you know, uh, he, his eyes didn't make that noise. That's just a noise I make. But he, he like blinked his eyes. And he said, bloop, bloop. And then he then he crump, crumpled his head. He kind of crinkled his head and then he then he grunted. You know what I mean? And then he messed up his diaper. So that cost us more money. 
Kids really are, though they're expensive. My girls are a little older. They are, uh, but they don't really understand money, and they don't really understand costs. Brianna uh, is beginning to, but Sadie Kate, my, young, my middle child now, uh, she, doesn't, she doesn't understand at all. There, there are times where we'll go somewhere, and she'll want to get a toy, and sometimes we buy her a toy, sometimes we don't. We don't always do it. Uh, when we go to the store, uh, I told you up. Uh, being master negotiators. That's what we, we do. We grow up learning uh, to be master negotiators. Uh, come on, if you got kids, uh, you know your kids try to negotiate with you. When you were a kid, you know you tried to negotiate as well. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So, so my kids, every night, it never fails. Every night at bedtime, there's this negotiation process that goes on. I'm like, it's bedtime. And they'll say, five more minutes. Anybody, anybody else like that? If you got kids in your house and like that, I hate you. Okay, I really do. So they're like, they're like, man, they're like, man, just five more minutes. Let me watch this one more video. And so it's like your kids are actually telling you, I'll obey you if you allow me to do this thing that I want to do. I will do what it is that you're telling me to do as long as you do this, as long as you allow me to do that. Again, we're, we're negotiating. We're negotiating back and forth. And then parents, we try to negotiate with our kids when they're being loud, when they're being rambunctious, when they're just making all sorts of noise. We're like, Please, if you will just be quiet, I will do anything you ask. I will buy you a pony. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever say, just listen and do what I am telling you to do. We negotiate a lot of times. So we try to negotiate with people, but we also try to negotiate with God. We try to negotiate with God. We say, you know what, God? I'll do what it is that you're asking me to do, again, if you make it easy. I'll do what it is that you're asking me to do as long as you bless me. Remember the people, they told God when they were in captivity, if we get another chance, if we get another chance, we're going to put God first. We're going to be about his business. We're going to do things right. And so they've been in captivity for 50 years and they get over, they get free, they get set free. They begin working on this temple and it just is incredibly difficult. And so they begin to wonder, well, God, if you really want us to do this, you'll make it easy. And it's not easy. So what do they do? They, they quit. But remember what we said last week. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says this. Let us not become weary in doing good. Don't become weary in doing the right thing. Don't become weary in the work. Don't quit obeying God even when it's hard. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if what? If we do not give up. If we do not quit. At the proper time, we'll reap a harvest. See, it might be difficult for a day. It might be difficult for a week. It might be difficult for a month. It might be difficult for a year. I'll just tell you that it might be difficult your entire life. But if you don't give up, guess what? At the proper time, you will reap a harvest. But all too often for us, we don't want to wait for that proper time. So we have conditional obedience. I'll do what you're telling me to do, God, 
as long as you do what I think you should do for me. That's the first problem they had. The second problem they had was this selective hearing. They had selective hearing. How many of y'all know somebody's got selective hearing? Don't point, okay? Uh, you know what I mean? We ain't trying to get, cause no fight up here in church. Uh, but some people have selective hearing. Some husbands have it. They'll, you know, they, their wives will say something to them, and it's like it just goes in one ear and out the other. Anybody know? Don't point again, you know what I'm saying? But you know somebody who's like that, right? And so some husbands have it. Some wives have it. Some people have it. Some kids have it. It's like you'll call your kids, and you're like, hey, come help with the laundry. Come help with the trash. Come help set the table. Come help do this. And it's like they don't hear you at all. Anybody else, you live in a house kind of like that sometimes, you know what I mean? Man, there are times where I will scream from the living room at my girls to come and do something, and it's like they don't hear anything. But you let me go to the freezer, and you let me open up the freezer and grab a drumstick, you know? One of those those ice creams have been dipped in chocolate, and it's so good it'll make you forget about all the worries in this world. You let me go and get a drumstick, and they just hear that rapper. From their, from their bedroom. And it's like, I mean, they, they hear it. It is selective hearing, selective hearing. We're like that with people, but we're also like that with God. See, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, God says this, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you hope and a future. We hear that verse and we think, I love that. Oh, God, you're so good, man. God, I love that. That's so awesome. But when Jesus says things like what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44, when he says, For you have heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. When we hear that, we're like, I don't know about all that. God, you want me to love my enemies? Ain't happening. You want me to pray? For my enemies, oh, well, I'll pray that, you know, their bed is infested with the fleas from a thousand camels. That's what I'll pray. You know what I mean? But when we hear stuff like that, we're like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't know about that. We like some things that God says, and we don't like other things that God says. When God's word says, hey, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse, we're like, I don't know about that. When God says, be generous. When God says, hey, flee from sexual immorality. When God says, live a pure life, some of us are like, I didn't quite get that. I didn't quite hear that. Oh, we'll listen again to some things that God says, but we don't listen to everything. And I'm here to tell you this morning that we need the whole counsel of God's word. We don't get to pick and choose what it is we want to listen to and what we don't want to listen to, because the truth is God doesn't give us options. He doesn't give us options to consider. He gives us commands to follow. He doesn't give us options to consider. He gives us commands to follow. And so if we don't listen to God, that's sin. It's sin. And sin is destructive. Sin is corruptive. That's exactly what God is about to show the people in the book of Haggai. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Haggai chapter 2. There's really some weird questions that God is about to ask the people. Uh, bear with me. I'll try to unweird them for you. But in Haggai chapter 2, starting in verse 12, the Bible says this. Haggai, he asked the priest. He says, if one of you is carrying some meat from a holy sacrifice in his robes. Now, first off, that sounds kind of weird. Why would you carry some meat in your robes? So let me explain this to you real quick before we go on. So uh, at this time, priests, they did, they wore robes. And so if the priest was ever going to offer some sort of meat sacrifice for the Lord, what he would do is he would cover it up 
with his robe. Why did they do that? Because they didn't want to get dirt in there. They didn't want flies and all that other good stuff in there. They wanted to give God their best. So it says, if one of you is carrying some meat from a holy sacrifice in his robes, and his robes happen to brush against some bread or stew or wine or olive oil or any other kind of food, will that become holy? Again, let me stop for just a second and and tell you what's going on there. What Haggai says is, he says, hey, if something is holy, touches something that is unholy, does the holiness, when it touches the unholiness, does the holiness rub off on the unholiness and the unholiness become holy? I mean, that's like really a mouthful there. You know what I'm saying? But let me kind of illustrate it like this. Of course, the priests say, no, but, but think about this. If I wash my hands, are my hands clean? Hopefully, right? If you use soap and you do the 23 steps that they show you how to do at Taco Bell in the bathroom, uh, there's like, I don't know how many, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of steps. But if you wash your hands, hopefully your hands are clean. But if I have clean hands and I touch a dirty plate of, that's full of spaghetti sauce, do my clean hands make the dirty plate clean, or does the dirty plate make my clean hands dirty? Man, you guys are smart, man. I knew y'all would get this. You know what I'm saying? No, so that's what the priests say. They say no. So he goes on to say this. If someone becomes ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person and then touches any of these foods, will the food be defiled? And so the priests say yes, because remember, clean hands, turning something, touching something dirty. Remember that whole illustration right there? So what you and I could really think about is that sin is really like, is really like a dirty dish. Sin is really, like, is really like this disease, and sin spreads easily. It spreads easily. Sin has a corruptive power. It has a corruptive power. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. He said, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. See, see, Paul didn't say good company cleanses bad character, did he? He said, he said bad company corrupts good character. You and I should really, again, think that, hey, sin stains everything it touches. And in the book of Haggai, man, things are about to get tough. The scripture's about to get tough. The text, I don't, I don't really like it, but watch what happens. Here's what Haggai says. He says in verse 14, this is how it is with this people and this nation, says the Lord. Everything they do and everything they offer is defiled by their sin. God is saying, because they have turned away from him, because they are no longer pursuing him, because they are no longer putting him first, because they are no longer pursuing him with all of their heart, God says everything that they offer, Everything they offer is defiled by their sin. Now, what in the world does that mean? It means this. If your heart isn't right with God, nothing else that you do will be right. If your heart is not right with God, everything that you do will be wrong. And I know some people would push back and say that that's not true, but it is. If your heart isn't right, even the good things that you do, they're going to be wrong. Jesus said it like this, and he's the, he's the professional, man. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 through 24. He says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come offer your gift. What does Jesus say? He says, get your heart right. Get your heart right. 
Because if your heart isn't right, even if you're doing something that is good, like offering something to God, if your heart is wrong, what you are doing is still going to be wrong. And parents, if you got kids, man, you know this about your kids. If your kid does something to one of your other kids, what do you usually say? Go apologize. Anybody ever did this? Go apologize. So they'll go up to him. What do they say? Sorry. Is that good enough? No. They did the right thing, but they had the wrong attitude, right? So what do you say? Say it like you mean it. Now. And then they'll go up. Sorry. And, you know, it's a little bit better, right? But it's not, it's still not good enough. So what do you say? You say, hey, go do it again, and this time give them a hug. Anybody ever do that? You know what I'm saying? Give them a hug because, again, attitude matters. Attitude matters. And if your heart isn't right, whatever you do is completely wrong. So what we tend to tell God is, God, I will obey you. I will obey you. I'll do everything that you want me to. Again, as long as you make my life easy, as long as you do what I'm asking you to do, as long as what you're asking me to do doesn't have too much cost, as long as it's convenient for me, I'll do what it is that you want me to do. But I'm telling you, that right there is the wrong heart. That is not how we approach God. We need to understand that we don't obey God so that he will bless us. We don't obey God so that he will make our life easier. We should obey God because we love him and we want to honor him in everything that we do in our life. That's why, again, getting our heart right matters so much. God, in the book of Haggai, he is about to expose the people's heart. Watch what happens in verse 15. He says this, Look at what was happening to you before you began to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. Again, what was happening, if you were here the first week, we talked about this. I want you to see it in Haggai chapter 1, verse 6. Here's what he says. You have planted much, but harvested little. What he says right there is you've been working your tail off and you still don't have anything to show for it. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. God reminds them of all of that. He reminds them of all of that. And then look what he says again in verse 16. He says, when you hoped for a 20 bushel crop, you harvested only 10. Translation, if that was to be written today in today's language and modern language, what that would say is, hey, you thought you were going to be making $20 an hour, but when you got your paycheck, you realized that your paycheck was only half what you thought it was going to be, and so it's not working out the way that you thought it should. And he goes on to say this, when you expected to draw 50 gallons from the wine press, you found only 20. Again, you're doing everything you can to get ahead, and it's just not working. Look what happens. So in verse 17, God says, I sent blight and mildew and hell to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. What in the world? Who sent blight and mildew? Who did that? God. That's got to be like a, a mess up in the, in the translation. I don't like that. Would, would God really send something to my life to cause trouble, to cause heartache? Would, would God really destroy my crops and the things that I've worked so hard for? What in the world? Why would God 
do that? Is that the kind of God that we serve? Why, why would God do that? Well, if you keep reading, verse 17 really tells us why. He says, I sent blight and mildew and hell to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. And even so, you refused to return to me. There it is. That's the reason. You see, God wasn't trying to punish his people. He was trying to restore them. God wasn't trying to punish his people. He was trying to restore them. And what I have found in life and what I have found to be true about God is that sometimes God doesn't change your negative situation and sometimes he doesn't change your negative circumstances. And it's not because he's trying to punish you. It's because he's trying to change your heart. See, there, it's true. It's true that sometimes bad things happen to us and bad things happen to God's people because of our spiritual enemy, because of Satan. It's true that bad things happen because of that. It's also true that bad things happen sometimes just because we live in a sinful, fallen, broken world. And I need to be careful here. But you also need to know that sometimes when we have allowed our heart to turn from God, sometimes when we do that, God will allow or maybe even cause something to happen to us with the intention of bringing us back to him. And I know some people would think, I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so. Or, or maybe you would say, well, see there, I knew God was cruel. But what I want you to understand is that God didn't kill these people. God, God, didn't, God didn't kill these people's children. He simply cut off their supply. Why? Because he wanted the people to realize that it is God that they need. God is their provider. God is just trying to, to get them to see, hey, you know what? It's, it's him that they really need. So that again, they will turn their hearts back to him. And I know some people hear that and you would say, that, that just doesn't sound like a very loving God. But if you were a loving parent, if you're a loving parent, you would do the exact same thing to a child who is being rebellious for you. Like some of y'all got kids that are off at college. And if you've got a child that's off at college and you're sending money every month to kind of support them, and then you find out that they're blowing all that money on ganja and reefer, and they're just drinking it all away, right? You, you're sending this money up there. They're not even going to class. You know what I mean? They're, they're, just, they're just partying. What's the first thing that you're going to do? You're going to cut off that supply. Why? Why? Because they're not representing the values that you want them to. And until their heart comes back to those things, you're going to say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to continue to support that kind of lifestyle. Well, that's what God is basically saying in the book of Haggai. That's what he's saying. God is saying, I'm not trying to punish you. I'm trying to restore you because I want your heart. Your heart has turned from me. So what do we do? What do we do if our heart has turned from God? Well, see, God gives a very simple message. And I love the fact, we've talked about it through this series, that God doesn't give us anything complicated. Remember the very first week when God had commanded them to build the temple? And they're like, okay, how do we do it? God gave them three easy steps. Go up the mountain, bring down the timber, build the temple, right? Three easy steps. Last week, God gave them some uh, two simple steps when it came to how discouraged they were. What did he say? He said, you know what? Be strong and do the work. Be strong and do the work. 
you consistently and constantly do what it is that God has called you to do. You keep laying a brick after brick after brick. You keep doing what it is that God has called you to do. So he gave him three things and he gave him two things. And this week he gives him one thing. One simple solution to these two problems. If you're taking notes, you want to write it down. The solution is this. Give God your heart. Give God your heart. Because more than anything, that's what God wants. He wants your heart. He wants you to seek him with all of your heart. God is saying to his people, you used to love me. You used to seek me. You used to pursue me. But now you have turned from me and you began to chase idols. You begin to chase other things. You are putting them first. I want to be first in your life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be given unto you as well. God says, I want you to enjoy me. I want you to pursue me. I want you to love me. And when you do that, when you give me your heart, I will bless you. The scripture tells us, hey, you know what? When we search for God with our whole heart, we will find him there. We have to put God first. We have to give God our heart. Jesus's response to the greatest commandment out there. Someone said, Jesus was the greatest commandment. And you know what he said in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37? Check this out. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Why did Jesus say that? Because it's all about our heart. It's all about our heart. And if your heart isn't right with God, everything you do will be wrong. It's about your heart. It's about your heart. See, God doesn't care if you have nice things. But don't put those things before God. God doesn't care if you have a nice house. But don't put your house before his house. God doesn't care if you have a hobby, but don't put your hobby ahead of God. It's idolatry. God wants our heart. And I'm just going to be honest with you, but one of the biggest battles that I, that, that I, I seem to face, one of the biggest battles that, that I have is I suffer with the problem of conditional obedience and selective listening. Selective hearing. I, I, I struggle with those two things because things will be going great in my life and then out of nowhere. Anybody know how it is? Out of nowhere, life will just put you on your, on, on your back. Just me? Y'all live in the same world I live in? Pray for me. If y'all got a perfect man, I want to follow y'all around for a little while. But man, things will happen and I'm like, man, God, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do this. And so, and so I begin, to, I begin to, to, to wonder, man, is it really worth it? You ever thought that? Is it really worth it? See, I remember when I first got into ministry, after about three or four years, things really got very difficult. Things got very frustrating. And the reason why is because I had begun to chase ministry instead of chasing after God. I had allowed ministry, which is something good, I had allowed ministry to replace my relationship with God. And what was happening is the way that I was doing the work of God 
was destroying the work of God in me. I wasn't putting him first. That's where I was. I was doing his work, but he just didn't have my heart. And so God led me to a passage of scripture that really exposed my heart in this area. And it was something that Jesus quotes from the Old Testament. And so you know that anytime Jesus quotes the Bible, it's pretty important. And so Jesus quotes Isaiah in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. And look at what he says. Jesus says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I want you to know that those words broke me because that's exactly what was going on in my life. And I was a pastor. And that's the problem, though, with so many people who claim to follow Christ is we honor him with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. Too many of us have conditional obedience. Too many of us have selective listening. We have this problem and we might come to church and honor God with our lips, but our hearts, our hearts are far from him. Well, the beauty of the story in the book of Haggai is that not only do they begin to rebuild the temple, but God does get their heart. They give God their heart. And as they have done that, God begins to bless them, and they begin to experience the provisions of God. And it's not because they obeyed God. It's because they gave God their heart. I want you to see it in Haggai chapter 2, verse 19. God says this, I am giving you a promise. Now, while the seed is still in the barn, you have not yet harvested your grain, And your grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, and olive trees have not yet produced their crops. Let me stop. God is telling the people right there, you still got work to do. You can't just sit there and do nothing. You got a job. But because they've turned their heart back to him, look at at what God says from this day forward. I will bless you. I will bless you. Now, God, again, didn't bless the people because they rebuilt the temple. God didn't bless them because they were obedient. He blessed them because they gave him their heart. Because they gave him their heart. And above all, that's what God wants. He wants your heart. He wants my heart. So the question really is, have we given him our heart? Again, you're here today. And you may be obeying God occasionally. But is your heart far from him? Is your worship to God and your service to God merely lip service? Or is God truly first? And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life. But I wonder today if there are some people who would just be brave and admit, you know what? When it comes to my spiritual walk, I've got these two problems, conditional obedience, 
selective listening. You say, I got those problems and today I need to repent. I need to ask God to forgive me. If that's you, I'm just going to ask right where you are that you raise your hand because I want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. A lot of hands. A lot of hands. A lot of hands. Father, today I pray for these who have raised their hands. Father, recognizing that sometimes in their life, just like me, my heart is not putting you first. And so, Father, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to fall more and more in love with you because that's why we obey you, because we've given you our heart. Father, because we love you, help us, Father, to do a better job of expressing our love to you. As we continue to pray, I also wonder if there's anybody here today who knows that today's the day that they need to give Christ their heart. They need to be saved today. You know that you've been living for yourself, and you know that things just aren't getting better. You work and work and work, and you can never get ahead. It's because you're living for yourself. So you know today that you need to repent of that, and you know today that you need to give him your heart. If you know today that you need to be saved right where you are, I'm just going to ask that you lift your hand because I want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. If that's you, I'm just going to ask that you pray with me. Father, today, I pray that you would forgive me for all of my sin. Father, today, I pray that you would save me, that you would make me, into a new creation. Father, that your Holy Spirit would so fill my life that other people will realize that I'm different. I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. And today I commit to following you every day of my life. Thank you for the work you did on the cross on my behalf. Thank you for saving me. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.